Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. I mean, I'll just give you a picture. So, for example, I had somebody that created an imaginary Facebook page, fended, you know, so they didn't have a real name, friended everybody in the church and started writing against me every day. So there's no way you can get to somebody like that because you don't know who it is. So you can't even have a conversation, a, you know, a, a loving conversation. There's no, there's no resolving this, okay? Then, uh, by the way, I only found out because other people told me because never friended me, of course. By the way, sheer courage to do something like that. Just have the guts to come and talk to someone. That's how Jesus is. So anyways, uh, you know, then I had a blog started against me. I think I had three or four different blogs started against me. Um, Then I had radio shows done against me. I had six radio shows in Boston dedicated to attacking me. If you've never experienced public humiliation, you should try it sometime. It's really good for the soul. Doesn't feel like it in the moment, though. I went away to the monastery, again, where I go to spend time alone with God in the midst of this season, and I literally laid on the floor of the monastery, and I said, why? wasn't asking, why are you allowing this to happen? I was asking, why are the people doing this? It just doesn't make sense to me, that's all. I wasn't complaining, because I believe God could redeem it. I learned not to ask, why would you allow this anymore? But I was just, I just, I was just confused. Why? I just don't get it, Lord. Why? I just don't understand. And, you know, even though I asked the why question, he still gave me the answer to the question how he could redeem it. Even when you ask the wrong question, God will often give you the right answer. And he said to me, I'm answering your prayer. To which I said, by the way, Lord, I don't know what I'm praying, but if you tell me, I promise I'll stop. Because this was not what I had in mind. And he said to me, since the time you were in your early 20s, you prayed this prayer. And at this point, you know, I was pushing 40, so it had been 15 so years. And this was a prayer I had prayed, and of course he was right. And the prayer I had prayed is inspired by Scripture, the book of Acts, the apostles. And this was the prayer I prayed, Lord, give me the ability to impart your spirit if my character and intimacy can sustain it. See, what I'd watched in the book of Acts was these guys had the capacity to lay hands on stuff and fire started everywhere they went. They lay hands on people, and people were healed. Laid hands on people, and demons were cast out. Laid hands on people, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Lives were changed. Things were turned upside down. Renewal would take place when these guys walked through a room. It was intense. And I'm like, Lord, that's what we need if we're going to see renewal. So give me the ability to lay hands on people and see the Spirit imparted like that if my character and intimacy can sustain it. And so when I'm laying there on the monastery floor, that's what he reminded me of. He said, you've been praying this prayer for 15 years. And then he said to me, this is what it takes to answer that prayer. Well, I laid on the floor and, and just wept and said, Lord, then answer that prayer no matter what. Because I want to see renewal. And I'm willing to take one for it. It went on for eight more years. We saw 500 people leave our church. I mean, there are new people that came in, so, you know, we, didn't, we weren't down 500 in attendance. It was gut-wrenching. There were days I got up in the morning, I was so discouraged, I thought, I, I don't know if I can keep going. It was so gut-wrenching. But, you know, God redeemed that season in my life. 
I'll tell you more about that in a second. But let me give you the third thing. The third thing was this. I, you know, I got, I got to a place in my life where I had these four promises that God had given me. I mean, they weren't minor promises, and they didn't come with uh, sort of wishy-washy you know, invitations or uh, responses from the Lord. I mean, like one of them came with an audible voice. It's really hard to argue when God speaks audibly. One of them, I had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord promised revival, told me my specific role in revival, and then gave me a sign that the dream was from him. By the way, the dream was in December 2006. The sign that he gave me in December 2006 was that the New Orleans Saints were going to win the Super Bowl, and that was the sign of the coming revival. Well, in case you missed it in football history, in 2010, the Saints win the Super Bowl, right? So I'm telling you, I'm like, oh my gosh, here it comes, right? Finally, the sign is here. The Lord's going to pour out this renewal. By the way, of course, when the Saints get into the Super Bowl, my phone was blowing up, because as soon as the Lord gave me this dream, I spoke it publicly. Everywhere I went. And people are like, you know, you're kind of crazy. Yeah, maybe. But when the Saints got to the Super Bowl, man, I'm getting hammered with texts. Like, are you betting on the Saints? I'm like, no, I'm not betting on the Saints. I should have. It's another story for another day. Anyhow, Saints win. You know, I think this thing's going to take off. All of a sudden, wildfire's going to start. You know what? The crucifixions, the, 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 the pain, the torment only increased. And I'm sitting there going, you gave me these promises and not one of them came true. I had four like that. I finally wrestled with something at the core of my being that I've never thought I'd have to wrestle with. A question emerged in my soul that had never emerged before. Does God lie? Please understand, it wasn't a theological question. It was an emotional question. It was a question that came out of pain. It came out of deep seasons of darkness, long seasons of struggle, long seasons of unfulfilled promises that I had held on to, battled for intensely, and yet nothing, nothing was happening. And so in the midst of this season, I finally went to Jen... I think it was about 2013 in the summer. I said to her, if I can't sort this issue out in my soul, I'm going to have to quit. Because I can't keep preaching a message that I fundamentally am questioning in my inner being. I'm wondering if he lies. And so I knew I had to process this thing pretty deeply. See, because now in the suitcase was all kinds of grief and all kinds of disappointment and you know, it's really hard to get more of his presence and fullness when you got that stuffed in the suitcase. I knew I had to unpack it. So I called a buddy of mine, Ron Walborn. He's a dean of the seminary. He's a really good friend of mine. I called him up, and one of the reasons why I love Ron is because of this conversation. I'll never forget it. I said to him, bud, I need a day in your life. That's how I started the conversation. He, I, he answers the phone. Hey, bud, how you doing? I said, I need a day in your life. That's all I said. This was his response. He's an incredibly busy guy. He travels more than I do. He calls up, and his response was, tell me when you need it. I'll make it happen in my schedule. I love him for that. So I said to him, I said, I'll make it a little bit fun for you. I said, the Pirates made it to the playoffs, which was a miracle from heaven. 
and he was a pirate fan. And so I said to him, I'll take you to a playoff game. I said, I'll buy us really good seats. I'll pay for it. And I said, you know, I'll take you there. And I said, we can drive down there from, you know, I lived in Boston, so I would drive to New York. We would drive down together at the time. Now I'm living in New York too. But anyways, I said, I'll drive down with you. And I said, we can process in the car on the way down. We'll root for the Pirates. I'll buy Pirates gear. I'm not a Pirate fan. My Yankee fan, sorry, but I am. And so I said, we'll root for the Pirates. And then I said, you know, after the game, we'll process back on the way home. He says, okay, that's good. We can do that. And so that's what we did. Well, I drive down and I'm unpacking the suitcase. And in the beginning, when I'm starting to tell him, you know, all these promises and how they've not come true and how I've been battling forever and I'm really wearied and I'm tired and I'm disappointed and I'm discouraged and I'm wrestling with the question, does God lie? In the beginning, he was trying to fix me. I don't need to be fixed. I just need to be loved and heard sometimes. I just need to let this crap out of my soul. Crap, maybe not be a word you hear in your pulpit. It's a Hebrew word. You have to look it up. (laughs) Right in the Hebrew Bible. And so, you know, I'm I'm packing, and finally I looked at him and said, but I, I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to process this stuff with me. And, you know, from that point on, he yelled with me when I needed to yell. He cried with me when I needed to cry, and he even swore with me when I needed to swear. That's what good friends do. And I just unpacked. On the way home, you know, and he just said two things to me. It was really funny, actually. The first thing he said to me was, Bud, you believe this stuff to your core, just hang on. Don't give up. Which, of course, I knew was true. And the second thing, though, he said to me was this. He said, you're a really intense guy. I said, I know that. He goes, you need to have more fun in life. Didn't sound like very spiritual advice. But I'll tell you what I did. You you know the psalm, Psalm 34, isn't it, that says, taste and see that the Lord is good? How do you do that? See, you can't lick them. So how do you actually taste and see that the Lord is good? You know, one of the ways to do it is you actually engage intentionally in fun things with a grateful heart. That this is a good gift from my good Father. You see, what happens in seasons of darkness is you lose sight of the goodness of God at the center of your soul. Happens to every one of us. You still speak it. You still sing it. But you don't feel it. And what I can tell you is, I started intentionally having fun. Jen and I went new places. We traveled more. We ate really good foods. We had fun times. We went places that were expensive and places that were inexpensive. But we intentionally loaded our life with fun. One of the things we started doing was going to rock concerts, right? So, I mean, I'm an old-time rock and roller, man. So, like, we went to see the Eagles. As a matter of fact, I was at the last concert that Glenn Fry gave before he died, right? Can, can I get an amen? Any Eagle fans out there? I mean, I love the Eagles, right? We went to Billy Joel. We went to all kinds of stuff. And every single time I did it, I would give thanks that this is a good gift from my Father. You know what it did? It restored the goodness of God to the center of my being. In the darkest seasons, the enemy tries to snatch hope from us. You have to be intentional about restoring the goodness of God to restore hope. Have fun, in Jesus' name, with gratitude. Makes a huge difference. But it wasn't coming together quite that quickly. I was still wrestling, and I was a slow process of restoration. And then one day I was alone with God, and I was wrestling with Hebrews chapter 11. 
Would you turn there with me? It's a great chapter. You know, it's the Hall of Faith, right? There's all these people, they get a promise from God, and they hold on, and God delivers. They get a promise, they hold on, and God delivers. They get a promise, they persevere in holding on, and God delivers. It's a great chapter. Of course, you know, some of them, like Abraham's in here, you know, his promise didn't come for 25 years. I mean, it's easy to read it in a paragraph. Sucks if it's your life. There's a lot of tears in those 25 years that are never mentioned in the passage. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of really dark days. But he never lets go. He screws up a bit, but that's another story. So you read through, and this is a story. This is what happens over and over and over and over. And then you get down a little later in the chapter. Let's pick up at verse 32. What more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. I mean, come on, isn't this good? Yeah, if you only ended there. There were others, dang, who were tortured. That isn't the way the story's supposed to go. The story's supposed to go, they get a promise, they hold on, God delivers. They were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destituted, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Please hear this next verse. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. I'm telling you, I read this chapter this day. I'm sitting there before God. I'm in agony because I'm hanging on to promises for years and years and years. I have paid a price. I mean, I got blood, sweat, and tears in this thing. I read this passage and I go, you do lie. These people got a promise from you and you didn't deliver. And then I read the last verse. You always got to read to the end. Verse 40, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. I read that passage that day and something clicked inside my soul and I got something. It was phenomenal. This is what clicked for me. There are days that you get a promise from the Lord and you are convinced that promise is for you and you battle for that thing and you pray and you fast and you fight and you persevere and you live for that promise. And the only problem was the Lord didn't tell you the promise wasn't for you, it was for a future generation. See, what he didn't tell you is you're running a relay race and you have a baton and you're not the one who's going to run that thing all the way through. You're going to hand that baton to another member of the family and they're going to run it to completion. But please hear him. If you don't do your job, if you don't run your leg of the race, if you don't battle for what God has called you to battle for, then a future generation is going to miss out on what you were determined by God to be a part of. 
And that's why you fight. And that day I sat there on my floor and I laid out and I wept and I knew what the Lord was asking me even though I was in a dark night of the soul where I couldn't feel his presence or hear his voice. I knew what he was asking. He was saying to me, will you fight for revival and will you fight for your promises if you never see them in your lifetime with your dying breath? And I wept and said, I'll fight no matter what. Listen, everybody in this room that's younger than me, I'm fighting for you. I'm battling for revival for you. And if it doesn't happen for me, you need to know I'm paying a price for you. You run that race. You run that race. You run that race. Because that's the Lord's plan for you. Even after I surrendered that thing, what was really weird was I was still discouraged every day for two years. Two years. What that did for me was finally, you know, after another couple of months, the dark night of the soul lifted after months and months, and I finally sensed his presence and heard his voice again, and that was great. But I was discouraged. I was so discouraged. Two years, two years. I couldn't break discouragement. It was like every day I'd wake up and I could feel this heaviness, you know, I'd be able to conquer it, like surrender my way, kind of, and, you know, worship and thanks and celebrate good things, but I couldn't break discouragement. I might conquer it for a week or two or whatever, but it wouldn't go. Finally, one day I was out in my backyard, and I just was walking in my backyard, and I said to the Lord, I go, this is the only time in my life I have not been able to surrender my way through an issue. And as soon as I said it, I got it. I said, I got it. See, the problem is discouragement isn't an issue that is a root issue. Discouragement is a symptom. You can't surrender a symptom. You can only surrender a root issue. You know, so many people, you know what they do? They're battling with a symptom. For some of you, it's pornography. For some of you, it's discouragement. For some of you, it's fear or something. And you're trying to surrender this thing, and it's a symptom. The problem is there's something in the suitcase that's never been addressed, and if you go get that thing by the roots, you could get rid of the symptom. But you've got to surrender the root. You've got to pull it up by the root. You chop off the head of a weed, the weed still grows. You pull the weed up by the root, and all of a sudden it doesn't bear its fruit. So this is the way of the kingdom. Well, I sat there, and I went inside, and I went into my wife, and I said to her, I got this thing. She goes, what? I said, discouragement. It's going down. She goes, really? Why? I go, because I know I've been trying to surrender it as a symptom. It's not the issue. I said, I'm going to get to the root. It's going to go. She goes, what's the root? I said, I have no idea. It doesn't matter. It's done. <laughs> I said, because as soon as I find it, I know I'll surrender it, and it'll be over. <laughs> a week later, we're standing in the kitchen. And uh, I'm talking to her about the church, and again, we're going through this season where it's been eight years losing people, getting attacked. I mean, my, got the snot beat out of me. Eight years. And I said to her, I feel like I'm wasting my life in New England. If I'd have gone any place else on the planet, it would have been better than this. Oh, stiff-necked people. And as soon as I said it, I looked at her and I said, that's the root. I feel like I'm wasting my life. I surrendered that thing that day. Discouragement lifted that day. And it has never come back. I have not spent one day discouraged since then. Listen, 
brothers and sisters. The Father's not done with you yet, wherever you are in your life, as an individual, as a congregation. He's got a race for you to run. He just wants you to do your part with full surrender, with a grateful heart, even when it's hard. Because there's a plan in the kingdom for you. And you're part of a bigger family. Play your role. Dust yourself off. Get back up. And fight the good fight. Because the stakes are forever for a lot of people. Hey, let's pray together. You know, Lord, I've learned a lot of things through pain. Nobody ever wants to suffer. But there are things in the painful places that I've accessed that I never could have accessed without pain. There are depths I've hit with you that I couldn't have hit without pain. There are places in my life that I have been formed in Christ I could never have been formed without pain. It really isn't that you're sadistic or anything and you're just incredibly good. It's just that, honestly, we're a little slow to learn some things and pain has a capacity to reach the deep places, to uproot the deeply rooted things. So what I pray for this family, for these my brothers and sisters, for these your children, is very simple. First, I ask that you would give them perseverance through pain. May they not give up on what you've called them to individually or corporately. Second, I pray you'd give them wisdom. You never promised you'd tell us why, but you sure did promise you'd tell us how. James told us in the midst of you know, suffering that if we would ask for wisdom, we could get it. And so I ask for them for wisdom. For each individual in the room who's going through a hardship right now, I pray you'd show them what you're trying to do in them, how you can redeem it. May they not be focused on circumstances. May they not be blaming other people. May they not be focused on other people's transformations or change, just them. And may they see what you are up to in them in this circumstance. And may they cooperate and say, yes, just yes. It's the one thing you really want. Just yes. Help us to quit kicking and fighting and wrestling and whining and complaining. But with grateful hearts, just say, yes, God, you got me. Full access. Come on. Dig up the roots. Dig up the roots. And lastly, I just pray that they would... In this season, as individuals and as a corporate body, they begin to see the redemptive hand of God. The very promise of God that you'd redeem all this junk. You just do it. They keep saying yes and looking to you, and all of a sudden your hand would be at work. They'd start to feel the hope of your redeeming work. I've sure seen it in my life. I'm so grateful. So grateful. Thanks for pain. 
mostly thanks for being a God that redeems it. Never waste it. May we be a people who never waste suffering. May we be a people who suffer wisely. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want just to say this to close, and that is, I'm in the greatest season of joy my life has ever known. Seeing more fruit than I've ever seen. The promises that God has given me, many of them are starting to come true. And he's worth it. He's the God of the cross. He's worth it. He's worth the suffering. He's worth the surrendering. He's worth the uprooting. Give him all you got. See what I mean? (laughs) Wow. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much. So, uh, I think something's been deposited here today for each of us, and I'm thinking of the, the, the story about the talents. And maybe today some of us got one talent, and that's where our need was today. And maybe some of us got five talents, because that's where we needed to be met. And maybe some of us got ten talents. The real question isn't how many talents did we get today from what the Holy Spirit spoke through Rob. The question is, what are we going to do with them? Are we going to bury him in the backyard and say, gee, this was a, a great morning. He's, one, he's a good speaker, isn't he? Yeah, he's a real deal. Uh, so we're just going to bury it in the yard and go away and feel good? Are we going to look at whatever we received and say, how can I invest this in the best way for my master? So I think that's a question to walk out of here today and to think about, okay? And again, thanks, Rob. Thank you. Rob is not a book salesman. I could sit there and evaluate. He's not very good at this, okay? That's not his heart. And I'm not a good book salesman either. But I know this, that the in taking notes, a lot of us, and I'm one, I don't take a lot of notes during a message, even though I, I know full well that the uh, shortest pencil's better than the longest memory, right? But the things that Rob is talking about today and the things that he learned in his life, he teaches at seminary. I mean, he's, he's been in a lot of places. He's written a number of books. And I know when I went yesterday pick up a couple of the soul care books they're gone adios bye bye so that's an Amazon thing but in the bag that you received with whatever number of talents were in there these books might lead you to the next steps because God speaks off the printed page doesn't he speaks out of the word for you so I want to encourage you before you leave scope these books out uh You're never going to get them any cheaper. I'm confident of that. Maybe if you have Amazon Prime, you can get it shipped free. I don't know. But check those out, and and don't walk out of here and put this in the backyard and forget about it. Okay? Instead, say to yourself, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. 
and show me, show me what to do with my talents. Okay? Let's stand, please. It's time to go. And uh, remember the question. Do you remember the question, hearing God's voice? What's your witness? What's your testimony? Has God helped you overcome something? Through his power and might, not yours. Have you hit the end of the chain? And you run out of you? But he showed up. He made a way where there wasn't a way. If you've got that, we need to hear it. So take the card and the seat back, write it down, stick it in the box, go home, type it up, email it, get a passenger pigeon, send it to us, okay? However, however that needs to happen, do that, okay? So I bless you this morning. I bless you with all that God has for you, knowing that he is more than sufficient, knowing he's more than anything we could need, and he's never not enough. So I bless you to be open to that, to receive that, to be grateful for it, and to name it. Ministry team, could you come, please? We have some words.